Holmes. What a pleasure to see you. It's a delight to see you. It's been so long. It has been so long. We're just recording these in fits and starts and yeah. banking them up. Because it's a busy time for you. Busy time. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have a job for the I first time this. in 100 years. I love this. Um, I'm in a writer's room, and I'm I'm so happy to be there. That's so great. That's uh, so great. Thank you. I'm, I'm you know, uh, it's, it's a lovely dream team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say what it is, it, but say it doesn't it matter. It's fine. I'll, I'll say what it is when someone more important has announced what it is because oh, I'm not okay. important okay. enough to okay. I'm not important enough to be the one to break the news. Okay. Um, I know. I hate. But when it's a sitcom. Do. You know, when Michael moved to L.A., I was like, he. I, when we met, he had just moved here, and he was, uh, and I was like, "What do you do?" And he was like, "I'm a writer on a half-hour comedy." And I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." Mm-hmm. Well, and we were then we dated, and it was like. Not until like our second or third date where I was like, can you tell me where you work? Like, is this the Seinfeld reunion? Like, what's going on? Like, the mystery around it. And it was Schitt's Creek. Oh. Which is a great show. Yeah. Um, But I think he was just like, I don't know who this creep is. Sure. Googling me or something. Sure. I don't know. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Anyway, uh, 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 how are you? I've never been better. Is that right? No, that's not right. You've but I'm, been I'm, better. I've definitely been better. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we've all been better. We're recording this on Super Tuesday. Yes, we are. Are we exhausted? Yes, we are. 100%. Did you happen to see uh, Chris Matthews just fucking quit MSNBC on the air? Oh, I didn't know he quit on the air. He quit on the air, Matt. Holy He quit shit. on the air. He, uh, he said, I am retiring right now. And, and like, you know, said, you know, I said some things that I thought were okay to say, and they're not. And, uh, you know, said a bunch of, you know, goodbye type things and then uh, said goodbye and went to commercial. And then they came back and it was uh, Steve Kornacki just being like, I uh, guess I'm the ho- I'm hosting this now. Wow. And they, yeah, they, you could tell nobody knew what the fuck was going on. I know I watched Rachel last night and she did not even acknowledge No, it. she didn't. No, because the regular shows just did their regular shows. Yeah. But like he left them fully high and dry. He was just like, uh, I am, uh, I think I'm going to retire as of this second goodbye. It is shock When you stack up all of the things that he has said in the past, it is shocking that he's got, gotten by as long as he, he's, I, he he's is the worst. Insane. I mean, I have a love for him only because he's so hilarious, unintentionally hilarious. Yeah. yeah. He's always been the wackest. He went to Holy Cross. He went to my uh, alma mater. Oh. Yep. James and, and Clarence Thomas. Oh, wow. All the greats. All the greats. James Adomian does the funniest Chris Matthews. Obviously, yeah. of course, it's the yeah, funniest. But, he would. Um, uh, but yeah, poor Steve Kornacki. We should get him at some point. Oh, that's right. He's gay. He's gay. Uh, I have some trouble with his accent. Really? But you know what? If we get him, I'll dig. I'll I'll let him know. Okay. We'll get into that. We'll get, we'll, we'll, Something yeah. about it. You know, sometimes people lean too hard on their accents, and okay. you're like, I... Don't buy it. Oh, interesting. I have I not had that problem think with that him. he is – sometimes I think people make the mistake of thinking this accent will, you know, be my personality. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, it's not interesting. I don't, I, I've never found that to be an issue. I find him so aggressively nerdy that it is almost hot. I can see that. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. passionate about dumb bullshit. I don't know. I like that. Um, what else is happening? What else is happening? Have what you else watched happening? Love is Blind at all? I'm at the very beginning of Love is Blind. Like I finally one? gave in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thoughts? Uh, I know that I'm going to fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, my, my attention span has been 
greatly diminished. Sure. Um, but I, I, I know that I'm, I know, I know I'm in. Have you met the guy who identifies as bi slash fluid? Yeah. Should we book him? We could. Why not? Yeah. Why not? We are trying. I'm just going to say this now. I'm going to speak this out into the universe. Manifest it. I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to manifest this truth. Uh, We have a Friday 40, the uh, the game show that uh, Scott Kimple and I do at uh, Dynasty Typewriter. Scott didn't think he was going to be able to make it because of South by Southwest. Guess what? His thing's been canceled because of coronavirus. He can make it now. Uh, So we're up the night of the 13th, 8 p.m. That is a Friday. We are trying. We We will secure... Joey from the circle as hey. a contestant. Yeah. I want to meet him in real life in the worst way, and this is how I'm going to do it. This is Friday, March 13th. Friday, March 13th. I'm, I'm asking for myself because I have never, I, I'm We're, a terrible friend. I've never come to see okay. the Friday 40. It's okay. It's okay. And this should clearly be the one I come to. Well, yeah. When it happens, when it's secure, which it if. is going to be. It has been announced I believe here. It. I believe it. I've manifested it. Um, I unfortunately am probably not going to get a chance to see the uh, inheritance. That's right. The inheritance, this is such a bummer. It's closing uh, March 15th. If you are in New York or you're going to New York, uh, get yourself a ticket or a couple tickets because it is a – It's a two-parter. It's a longer experience but uh, a powerful one. And uh, we recorded this a while ago when I was in New York with Jordan Barber who's in the Broadway cast. Mm -hmm. He is incredible. A friend of the show, Nigel Campbell. Set this up for us. I right. give a shout out to Nigel. I love you. Uh, and you had to Skype in mm-hmm. with us. Um, I was right here. From here. Where you left me. And we miss you terribly. Well, I'm there, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not. I like to be able to touch you during the interviews. I understand. And feel mostly play with your hair. All right, all right. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we have an incredible conversation about the show. Granted, we did... I, I think we all assumed this, you know, this was this yeah. going to run for a long time. Seemed that way. But hopefully it will make its way uh, around the country or. Yeah. No, it will. It's it going to. Will. It has. It has done that. It's this. We're secreting. It is. Yes. A great touring worldwide success. After you I see. Three times. After you see uh, Joey from The Circle yep. and the Friday 40 mm-hmm. on March of. Then get yourself a ticket yeah. to yeah. Be a person. Be a person of contrasts. Uh, wherever it is. Jordan Barber, after the break. We're back with Jordan Barber. Jordan. Hi. Hello. Hi. I should tell people that Dave is in LA. We're here in New York, but we're looking at each other. We're <laughs> living in the future. Yeah. <laughs> we're bi-coastal and we are in the future. It's pretty amazing, actually. It kind of is. It feels like you're right here with us. So you're having a uh, a Friday afternoon off. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Do you uh, do you sleep in after a Thursday performance? What, what's your what's your schedule? You know, it's kind of uh, Mondays and Tuesdays are our real days off. Mm-hmm. So I kind of use those to just veg out. Yeah. Uh, and I try to make the week a little bit more active. So um, I was just running errands and I actually had to put myself on tape for another audition <laughs> that oh, wow. I'm doing because this never ends. The struggle never ends. Of so um, yeah, I mean, on Thursdays and Fridays, I try to take it somewhat easy um, because, you know, uh, the show is, the show takes a lot out of you. It's three and a half hours long. Uh, when we're doing just one show, when we're doing two show days, it's seven hours. Uh, so it's a lot, but uh 
Yeah, I try to get stuff done. So during the week, you're, it's like you're sort of alternating part one, part two? No, or- actually. So during the week, uh, so we work Wednesday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, we do two shows. Oh, wow. uh, we do a matinee of part one. And then in the evening, we do part two. And then Thursday and Friday, we just do part one in the evenings. Uh, so there's never a day that we do part two by itself. Oh, got it. Yeah. So part one's getting a little more love than part two. You know, I think that maybe because it's a bit of a gamble, you know, doing a show like this, I think that they're sort of banking on people maybe taking the chance of just seeing part one. Yeah. And if they're into it, which most people are, yes. uh, they'll come back and see part two. That's true, because you don't want to take a gamble and jump in on part two and then... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing about the world that Matthew built is that... Um, you can do it individually. Like I do a little bit more in part two. So when I have friends that are coming in and they're like, we can only see one, which one should we see? I sort of sadly say, if you could yeah. only see one, come see part two, because I do a little bit more in it. Uh, and I'm always a little worried that they're not going to understand exactly what's going on. But they, you know, after the first five, 10 minutes or so, they kind of uh, hook into what we're doing and they don't really have any trouble. But I would definitely recommend seeing both parts. I'm doing the full th- Sunday. We're doing, You're doing the whole marathon. Matinee, then, yeah. Okay. How much time are we getting off in between? Just You're going to get about two and a half hours. Oh, great. Yeah. We end at 4.30 and then the next show will start at 7. Oh, you can have a nice leisurely dinner. Exactly. Process. Exactly. Debrief. Yeah. Um, it takes I, a lot out of you. I'm prepared for this to be harrowing. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's harrowing. You no? know, what I will say is... You know, that's the thing. It's sort of, it has this reputation of being this like epic, big, um, I don't want to say sad, but like, uh, you know, but almost se- serious, heavy. Yes, you know, exactly. It, and what I will say is that, you know, the first day of rehearsal, Matthew sat us down, Matthew Lopez, who's our writer, sat us down and he was like, everyone's going to be treating this like it's this big, epic, dramatic play. And there are certainly elements of that in this world that he's created. But really, it's a fun comedy. I mean, mm-hmm. he really did write a fun comedy of manners. You know, it's about this group of friends, and it's mostly about these two guys in a relationship and how their world sort of unravels and their relationship uh, develops. And it really is very funny. I mean, I think that's the thing that people are most surprised by. Mm-hmm. The first act, it, Matthew likes to call it our charm offensive. Matthew <laughs> likes to say that our first like uh, half hour to 45 minutes is like a full on charm offensive where we're really trying to get the audience to sort of let go of any preconceptions that they have about the world of the show. You know, exa- people have that same feeling that you're you're having mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this is going to be a harrowing thing. I guess I should bring tissues. I should be yeah. and that's true. You should you should absolutely bring yeah. some tissues. You're gonna are. be punched in the gut brutally. You are. But you are. there's there's certainly some things, you know, I mean that's that's Matthew's whole endeavor with this is to I mean it's it's uh, as someone who does comedy as well, you are constantly trying to get a message through. But the only way you can do that, the only way you can sort of share your ideas is to break down people's barriers and to break down people's reservations. So what we what we try to do, in, especially in that first act of, there's six acts altogether. Well, so what oh we try God. to do, especially in that, I know it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, but especially what we try to do in that first act is really just get any preconceptions or any um, 
notions of what you think the world of the play is going to be, we sort of break that down mm. and just try to let you ease into the lives of these people and the lives of these characters and enjoy us and enjoy the world that we're building. And it really is, I mean, what Matthew manages to do and what we've managed to do as a cast uh, and with the amazing direction of Steve, Stephen Daldry and, and Justin Martin uh, is maintain a certain level of levity, I mm. think, throughout the seven hours, which is not an easy thing to do, especially when you're dealing with the themes and the sort of things that we're dealing with in the world of the show, you know, AIDS and the legacy of AIDS and how we uh, pass on our stories from one generation to another. You know, it's the, the general idea of it is, you know, with any sort of demographic or any sort of minority group, especially an underrepresented one, there is this idea of lineage, you know, as a black person, I know that if I have biological children, those children will be black. And there is a sort of inherent sense of lineage. There's an inherent sense of history that goes along with that. As gay people, we don't necessarily have that. You know, you, the family that you have as gay people is sort of a family that you find and a family that you create. And the only way to pass on our lineage or to pass on our legacy is through story and through communication. And so the the play is really about sharing those stories and sharing the idea of who and what we are. And I think a major part of that, you know, a major way that gay people have survived all this time is through our humor and mm. through the ability to laugh. And what Matthew does so eloquently, I think, is manage to get some pretty heavy themes and ideas into the world of the show, but we really are trying to make you laugh the whole yeah. time. It really is a, a, it's not a light show, but it is a funny show. It's a very funny show. We're going to experience all the emotions. Yes, you will. Including yes. laughter. Yes, you will. Absolutely. And I, some sobbing. Yeah. there's <laughs> a, You know, I, I've been doing the show now. We started performances in September 27th and I am still crying every day, almost every day when we do the show. And, you know, it could be one of those actorly things where you're like, I know I have to cry right now, but it's, it's really not that it's a really lovely world. And so much of what Matthew has put out there and so much of what we have built as an ensemble and as a, as a sort of family at this point is this sense of camaraderie. I, I'm, I'm deeply feeling things when, my fellow actors are going through things and it's, it's such a beautiful experience to get to do. And yeah, it's hard. It, it, it takes a lot out of you. It's kind of emotionally wrenching, but it is lovely because at the end of the day, you're sort of up there watching your friends and you're right. up there watching your family. So it doesn't feel as difficult as it could, I guess. Right. Um, and the pedigree of it is just kind of staggering, right? I mean, it was so. It had already had a, a life in London before yes. you came along, yes. right? So it already had, you know, sort of garnered all of these awards and won like Olivier's and everything. Yeah. So what was it? Walk us through your process of getting the role. Oh, God. Um, what, where were you in life? What was a typical day like for Jordan before this was happening? Ooh, where was I? I don't think we have enough time on this podcast <laughs> to go through where I was in life. But uh, I, um, I had just come back from three years at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Um, and I came back to New York. I li I've lived here for, oh, God. 19 years now. And, um, you know, being an actor here is very difficult. So you got to go wherever the work is. And I, I've been really lucky in my career. Um, this is my Broadway debut, but I've 
I've gotten the chance to work with Peter Brook. I, I lived in Europe for a year and toured around Europe and Asia with Peter Brook's company. And I worked with um, Young Jean Lee, who actually just had a show on Broadway last year called Straight White Men. Oh, yeah. um, I toured with an earlier show of hers called The Shipment, and we toured all over the world. We went to the Sydney Opera House for a festival that was curated by Lou Reed. Um, and then I just did three years at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. So I've had this like really cool and varied and weird career. But the, you know, there was always that specter of Broadway that yeah. I'd never gotten to. And, and any actor... They can tell you, oh, I don't have any sites for Broadway or anything. Everyone wants to get on Broadway. It's just one of those things that once you be, and I, I remember saying this to my sister after I booked the part, like, oh, I, I can, no matter what happens for the rest of my life, I can always say that I'm a Broadway actor, yes. which is really cool. Um, as far as getting to uh, the show, I went through four rounds of auditions in June. Uh, the first three were uh, like the casting directors. Next round was uh, the addition of Steven and Justin, our director and associate director. Then we added Matthew, the writer. That was the third round. The fourth round was a three-hour callback. It was a group callback. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a fun nightmare, but it was a nightmare nonetheless. Uh, and in which we we got like 20 pages the night before. And they said, don't worry, you don't have to be off book or anything. But we uh, were reading those for the next day. And then, uh, so that all happened then I didn't get it. I oh, shit. did not get the part, but I think that they were sort of just like seeing what else is out there and seeing, you know, they were sort of keeping me on the back burner because they liked me. Um, and then about a month later, they called me back and said, you know, we really actually want to see you again for this. So I was actually on the other side of the country <laughs> and I had to fly myself back oh, for a I guess this would have been my fifth audition now. Oh um, so this is now a week or two before we start rehearsals. Um, and they had me audition again, found out that I got it. And then I ended up going into rehearsals. This would be August. Now you talk about the sort of uh, legacy of the show. I was incredibly tim- intimidated walking into that room. You know, we have Matthew Lopez, who this is his Broadway debut as well, but he's had a really established and lovely career. Then you have Stephen Daldry, who yeah. is this legend who's done, you know, Billy Elliot, The Hours, uh, The Reader. He's responsible for The Crown. I mean, mm-hmm. I, to say that I was intimidated would be an understatement. Um, but and a lot, some, a lot of the original cast. And as yeah, well. the, the five main cast members were back with this as well. And so what was nice for me was that we had, um, when you see the show, uh, there's like sort of a bunch of characters that are on the periphery that, um, I guess, literally and figuratively, actually, uh, that sort of interact with the main players and uh, are help tell the story and help move the story along. And all of us are from New York. All of us are new to the process here. So we, it was cool because we sort of got to start over while also building on something that they had already created Mm -hmm. in London. Um, And what was really exciting, what Matthew really wanted to do was uh, really build it around this group of actors. So, you know, 70, I think it's something like 30% of part one and like 70% of part two changed from London to Broadway um, because they really did want to cater it for the actors that they were working with and wanted to make it specific to, you know, there's so much in the show that's just about life in New York. And there were things that a London audience wasn't necessarily hooking into that we wanted to make a little more 
tangible mm-hmm. for a New York audience or we wanted to make a little more applicable for a New York audience. And Matthew was really open to Matthew's whole, Matthew's work ethic is so admirable because he just really wants to, he's always trying to perfect it. He's always trying to make it better, whatever that means for an artist. Um, and it was exciting because he was really open to suggestion, is really open to working and collaborating with the actors. Um, but yeah, I mean, entering into that universe was very intimidating, but ultimately in the same way that Matthew tries to do in the play, Stephen, Justin, and Matthew really wanted us to not have any sort of sense of intimidation or like you don't belong here or anything like that. It was, we are all in this room. We are all artists. I mean, the first day Matthew came up to me and, and cause they know that they had put me through the ringer with the auditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, Matthew and Steven both came up to me individually and said, we are so happy that you're in this room Aww. and we're so happy to have you. So that was a really nice uh, yes. way to get the fear out of my mind a little bit. And how much longer are you doing it? Uh, right now we are, we're open-ended. So we could run as long as audiences want to keep coming and seeing. Uh, right now we are selling tickets, I believe, through June 8th, wow. something like that. Um, so yeah, we are, we're here for a, at least a few more months and, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I know that they're definitely trying to keep us open through the Tonys and, see how that all pans out. And uh, if we get some Tony noms and especially if we get some Tony wins, I think we we could be here for a little while. I feel yeah. like it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Do you have time to consume anything else? Movies, TV? You know, that's actually about all I can consume right now. So like yeah. I was saying, I veg out on Monday and Tuesday. Right. And so I pretty much, you know, to my own dismay, I, I'm, I always have like, sites, my, getting my sites on doing more and running errands and getting stuff done. But then you get to that Monday and Tuesday and you're like, I can't do anything. Yeah. So I'm just sort of hanging out at home watching movies a lot yeah. and TV a lot. You've, which you've earned the right to do by then. You've got to let yourself <laughs> thank you for Thank you for saying that. Um, so what, what are you watching? What's in the queue at the moment? Um, okay. So my guilty pleasure at the moment is this reality show called The Circle. Oh. Okay. All right. Can we talk Ooh, about we this? Here we go. Can it. we talk about this? Yes, we can. Why am I so obsessed with this show? Where are you in the show right now? I'm not that far, admittedly. Okay, okay, I'm, okay. I'm only like five episodes. I don't even know how many episodes there are. There's 12. There's 12. Yes, yeah. So I'm only like, half, like I, they just, uh, the third catfish guy just got introduced. So the, the guy who's, He's using the the really hot blonde guy right, as yeah, his right. uh, uh, avatar or catfish. Alex, Alex, yeah, Alex yeah. we're talking about. But what's that? Alex. Yes. Alex. Uh, Alex posing to be Adam. Adam. The yeah. guy who wears the the pants that are flowy. Oh. Yeah. And when we he can first always see the bottom of his feet somehow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So hey, he's, he's always like, working with his feet while he's while he's looking at the surface. It's, it's, it's a lot. really upsetting. It's a lot. Um, and it's it's weird. So like I'm weirdly obsessed with this show because it's yeah. it's so like it could never have happened before. Like it's it's such a product of our yeah. time right now. Yeah. And it's. The the thing that I'm having a tough time with, especially as an actor, is that like no one's talking to each other, yes. which is so weird. Like they're all in their own individual pods and talking to a screen and the screen is uh, helping them communicate yeah. with each and other and no one's actually seeing each Describing emojis. I didn't think <laughs> exactly. that that could be compelling television, but guess what? I know. I know. There are so many times when I'm, st- when I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, why am I enjoying this yeah, so much? But it like, sort of lulls you into it and you just sort of like pick up the, the cadence of like message yes, at Joey. Yes. 
Hey, boo. <laughs> hope you're doing okay after last night. Yes. You, you know, it's it's so strange. And, yeah, and if you describe it to anyone, they're like, okay, so it's people alone in a room talking to a screen. Right, it sounds exactly. Like it sounds terrible. Awful. But there's something, it's so fascinating watching, because, you know, it's like, it's it's the Facebook or Instagram version of Survivor, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm so obsessed with i don't know anyone's names i'm terrible with names but subam shabam shabam and then the other woman who's who's sammy i want to say no dent what's her name she has a z in her name oh well there's karen yes yes i mean and again i'm only like halfway through the season so i don't even know who's coming up but like i'm so obsessed with the two of them uh, just because for totally opposite reasons, because yeah. like Shabam is so genuine and so mm-hmm. earnest and so just unapologetically himself all yeah. the time. Yeah. And then Mercedes is like, not Mercedes. I don't even, I can't remember what Karen, Karen, yeah. Karen slash Mercedes is like so real. And her, um, her reason for wanting to be Mercedes, like, like when the guy gets voted off and he ends up going to see her cause he wants to meet Mercedes and seeing him react to like, finding out who Karen actually is mm. and then letting her tell the reasoning for why she decided to be Mercedes is so real and so heartbreaking. And it's just such like a great microcosm for like what's going on in the world right now. Yeah. But like rather than people fighting and rather yeah. than people like backbiting and all this stuff, like it's actually just people trying to meet each other and understand each other and 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 discover each other, which I just think is so fascinating yeah. and so cool it's for, deeper than it seems are. it really is it, it's deeper than it has a right to be i'll That's say exactly right can i <laughs> blow your mind with something so you Please. you know you know la you've, you've I, I know la somewhat yes you know la somewhat joey works at oil can harry's no he does yes, not he can does, you believe Jordan. that <laughs> yes, he does Jordan. no do he you does think not. he still works there Dave? he has promised to go back um, obviously there's a, a post show press tour right. that's going right. on right now. So for the moment he is quite busy, but he has said that he will go back. That well, is, I've lived in LA for 400 years and never <laughs> been to oil can Harry's oh. and Dave, you have to hold me to this. We must go. Oh, we're going when he's back. So can I hold you both to this? That the next time I go to LA, I drop you a line and you both take me to oil can Harry's. Yes. It will, it will be we're going, it will be a Saturday night. It will be okay. disco night. You will see <laughs> so uh, people in their seventies in caftans with, tam- with tambourines. <laughs> um, it is, it is truly, truly a great experience. And That's Nigel, if you're incredible. listening, I, which I, you better be, you're coming to so get ready. Right. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, more breaking news to blow your mind. We're going to have Chris from the circle and Karen, yeah. aka Mercedes, yeah. on no. homophilia. Yeah. No. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're, the, we're it's gonna be remote. They're of not course, gonna yeah. be in LA. Of course. Right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk text at Karen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> smiley guy with the hearts in the eyes. <laughs> Sand. That is so funny. Um, We should take a quick break, and um, we'll be right back. And we are back with Jordan Barber. Hi. Hi. Jordan, when you're not acting on Broadway... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, what's happening in your dating life at the moment? Oh God. Oh, we're going right into it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, I guess I'll just talk about this. I've kind of openly embraced, uh, polyamory now, oh, okay, uh, which uh, has been new and exciting. And I, uh, I have two guys that I've been seeing, uh, one, his name is Jose. He's lovely. He's the most wonderful man in the world. And he's a stylist. He lives here. And, um, the other guy that I'm seeing is this actor, Australian actor named Grant, and uh, he's in and out a lot with work and life and stuff. But uh, yeah, the, the dating life has actually been pretty good. I had a really intense relationship like five or six years ago that like ended not so great. I was I, I was cheated on a, in a pretty bad way. And it kind of turned me off to this sort of traditional model of relationships a little bit. And also, uh, you know, sort of what we were talking about earlier with regard to as gay people, we sort of choose the families that we have. Um, and I've just realized that like my friends are so, uh, so important to me. And one thing that always happened when I would be in relationships or when my friends would be in relationships is you'd meet that other person and the friends would fall by the wayside. Yeah. And I got really tired of that because I realized that like, I, I have a best friend named Mika. Mika Jennings is one of the most, most amazing actors in the world, by the way. Uh, but I have a best friend who um, he's kind of my life partner. And the 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 one thing that differentiates us from any other couple is that we just don't have sex. Right. And I sort of got tired of the idea of like needing to put him underneath everyone else in my life. Um, when I need to put, needing to put him underneath the men that I was dating. And so I just sort of developed this mentality that like, no, I think I'm going to think of my relationships as kind of like a sphere and I'm sort of in the middle of that sphere. And, you know, there are sort of dots that are closer to me and there are dots that are farther away, but we're all sort of there together. And all of those relationships have, I don't want to say equal importance, but a certain level of importance. And, you know, like we all do, we get different things from different people. And I, I think it's, I don't want to diss anyone who's found a life partner or anyone who's got a, a, in a monogamous relationship. Um, I don't, I'm not the type of person who, who can find everything that I need mm. in one person. I'm a very needy and demanding and difficult person. So I'm a lot for one people to one person to handle. I'm a lot for two people to handle as well. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I, what it's, what it's opened up for me is the ability to recognize that I love the way I love and I express desire and affection the way I express it. And it's, 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 kind of like a one day at a time kind of thing where I'm just sort of like, there is no model for this. I don't, you know, when you, when you're doing the monogamous thing, you think years ahead, like, oh, we're going to grow old together and we're going to die together or whatever. There's no model for this. So it's scary at times and it's really weird. And, you know, every day is a conversation with both Jose and Grant trying to navigate this. Um, but, you know, it's exciting and, and it's cool and it feels like I'm sort of carving my own path in the same way that I'm carving my own career path and sort of carving my own romantic path as well. And what, what did, did one come first was Jose first. Yeah. And then, so I was doing a show and Jose uh, came to see it and we ended up chatting and then we started dating. And uh, so that sort of took off the way it was. And then Grant and I uh, crossed each other's paths a couple months later and he and I sort of started talking. His situation's really complicated because he's actually from uh, Australia. I won't give away too much mm -hmm. of his life, but he's got a lot going on in his life as well. So yeah, it's been this weird thing where I'm sort of 
just navigating it day by day. And, and so was the idea that you were in a monogamous relationship until you met Grant and realized you didn't want no, to? No, no. I, I knew when I started, I knew before I started dating Jose that I, that I, I've been kind of thinking this for a few years now that the sort of traditional model of relationships, uh, or at least a monogamous relationship, I think just wasn't working for me. And again, there's absolutely no judgments or no criticism for anyone for whom that is uh, what they want, but it just wasn't for me. And I was never really feeling fulfilled or happy. Um, that's not to say that the men that I'm seeing right now are not fulfilling me. I mean, they are, that's sort of why I'm remaining open to them, but it's just a way of, of not putting, I don't want to say not putting pressure on the relationships because there's certainly expectations and there is pressure on these relationships the way there is with any relationship. But it's, I think it just takes a lot of the, the, things that I don't feel have worked for me in the past and just trying to make it work for me now. And who knows, I, I eventually I perhaps could decide with one of them that I want to be monogamous, or I could decide that relationships in general are just not for me anymore at all. And, uh, you know, I'm really trying to follow whatever path I'm going on right now. And are, are you, uh, sorry if I'm asking too many questions no, about sorry. sort of the rules, but I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm always just fascinated by, um, kind of the logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, are, do they know each other? They do not. Okay. And that's, that's by kind, design. That's kind of by design. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's been talks about whether or not we should all meet up and and I you know just for for there will probably come a day where they may meet each other for right now it's it's not really something that I think is necessary um but yeah it's just sort of uh yeah they don't they don't right. know each other and other than the two of them mm-hmm. you're uh are you open beyond that are you yeah you're able to sort of yeah I can continue I, seeing other people I can see who I want when I want. I mean, it's great. As you can imagine right now, it's really difficult juggling two boyfriends and a Broadway show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's kind of a lot and uh, I'm not necessarily looking for anyone, but like I said, what the, the mentality of it really is just trying to remain open to any and all things that life throws at you, be that romantic, be that uh, uh, career wise, be that any any different way that that can manifest. And so really it's just me attempting to not put boundaries on myself, not put rules on myself and trying to break free of a lot of the like old heteronormative ideas of what a relationship is and what a relationship has to be. And, you know, there are a lot of people who think that I'm trash and there are a lot of people who (laughs) think that like, I'm uh, that this doesn't make sense and it won't work and maybe it won't. And maybe they're right. But there's uh there's an interesting road that I'm on right now and I'm in my mid thirties. So I'm like, I think I kind of have a sense of who I am and what I'm doing. So yeah, it's been interesting sort of walking that path. But the, the rules that would define you as trash are based on (laughs) ideals and ideas and concepts that don't apply to us. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, the sort of, yeah, I mean the, the, Anyone that would call me trash for what I'm thinking right now is kind of, I think, feeding into these old ideas that are established by heteronormativity and like, uh, you know, this idea that like, 
Well, because one thing I've gotten is a lot of people, not a lot, but some people have said, you know, we fought for marriage equality and we fought for this. And, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We we fought for marriage equality because civil rights is a thing that we should all have. Uh, it doesn't mean that I have to then commit to it. It right. means that I should have the right, just like you do, to get married if I want to. I almost cursed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to. Fuck yeah. Uh, absolutely. Fuck yeah. It's okay. Fuck yeah. Okay. Uh, um, but like, you know, uh, my whole mentality of it is just like, I, all the, fo- as a gay black person, all of the forms that are in place for me are all of the forms that are sort of in place have been established by whiteness and heteronormativity, really a sort of the hegemonic ideas of what we are socially. And I'm just trying to break that down for myself. And again, I'm not saying anyone else needs to apply this to their way of life, but I'm trying to get out of the mentality that says the way things have been is the way things should be. And as long as I'm not hurting anyone, as long as I'm not, uh, breaking any laws, any reasonable laws. I think that, uh, you know, anyone that would call me trash is dealing with their own insecurity and dealing with their own bullshit. And it's not really on me to take that on. So you can call me trash if you want to. I, I've been called way worse. Uh, and no, they're trash. I mean, come course, on, you know, they're, it's, t- it's, and, and one thing I've realized at this point in my life, just getting to where I am is that like, you know, anyone that feels the need to label you or anyone that feels the need to denigrate you is doing it because they're they're riddled with insecurity and they don't understand themselves. And so in order to better understand themselves, they need to try and put you down and they need to try and ridicule, ridicule you. So to that, I say, you know, fuck off. And like, <laughs> if you need to, that's fine. I, I don't give a shit. So like, you can do and say whatever you want, but I'm still going to live the life that I'm living the way I want to live. Yeah. And... I'm going to try as hard as I can to take care of the people that I love and take care of the people that I care about and do what I'm doing and break down all these fucking models of, you know, uh, crap that have, you know, these models that have told me that I'm less than a man or that I'm less than a human or that the way I love is sinful. And I, I, I choose not to hear it. I choose not to live that life anymore and it's given me a lot of agency and a lot more self-esteem to be completely honest i don't i don't hate myself anymore the way i I did for a long time because all these structures that told me i wasn't good enough or that i wasn't um or that i was a sinner or that i was an awful person or that i was dumb uh i just don't let them rule me anymore so it's beautiful. Sorry, it really is. Really yeah. no, no, like please. Anna Oprah or Iyanla Fix My Life special, oh, or something. which is another thing we could. Go which is on another about show that I'm obsessed with. Oh, uh-huh. it's the best show on television. They're it's casting so now, good. by the way. They're casting for the what? new season now. Yeah, I just saw what? it on oh, of Iyanla. Uh, yeah. I, we should let her listen to this episode. Maybe she'll fucking hear me. She may have some I gotta thoughts. work on that voice. She may have some thoughts. <laughs> or maybe she's gonna be like, Can I can I sit with can he teach me something? Hey, right. I would love to hang out with Iyanla. Have some chat. Polyamory Wait, coach. <laughs> do you have a spiritual practice? Or? Um, I don't. I, I for uh, you know, I'm Oh God, that's such a. I mean, what is, a, what what is your relationship to religion? I grew up Baptist. I grew up um, in a pretty. I would say my immediate family was sort of like nominally. I don't want to say nominally Christian because my my parents are and my, my brother and his family are are 
I, I don't know if they all still go to church. I know my mom still goes to church, but uh, we were raised Christian. We were raised, you know, which a, a lot of that is me in high school rebelling against, or I, I wasn't even rebelling at that point. It was me feeling so conflicted because I was understanding all these things about God and understanding how I fit into it and realizing that everything I was thinking, feeling, and doing was a sin. And everything that I was, everything that I was, was um, hated Mm -hmm. in the eyes of God, you know? And also, you know, like we, we worship a Jesus Christ that looks like Brad Pitt. I mean, we worship a Jesus Christ with white skin and, flaxen hair and we're told that this is this is whose image we that god made and i don't look like that and i i i got tired of feeling like i was crap and so i i think i over a very long period of time developed this idea that i need to sort of go my own way and i think i I got out of the idea of religion. I mean, creationism was a big part of it because I just couldn't believe in it, especially in the face of evolution. And, you know, I started uh, to answer your initial question. I, this sounds so goopy of me and by goop, I mean Gwyneth Paltrow, Mm -hmm. but it it sounds so like new agey, but I, I kind of believe in energy. I believe in, I believe that there are, I don't believe that there's anything in the world that can't be understood. That doesn't mean that we can understand it. There are so many things in the world, in the universe, that we are, are outside of the capacity of our understanding of them. That doesn't mean that they don't have a logic or that they don't have a rationale to it. The idea of, of oh God, and I don't want to offend anyone, but like the idea of God is inherently illogical, right? And it's it it supposes a level of belief and it supposes a level a level of faith that I think is really beautiful and admirable to anyone that has it. It's just not for me. Yeah. And it's just not, I, I, I really tried to let logic and reason and rationality guide the way I think. And I, so, to, so in that regard, and I, I try to, I try to use the idea of like, you know, matter is neither created nor just nor destroyed. So all, all the things that we have today have been around since the beginning of time and they will be until the end of time. And that is something that we can understand. And that is something that is to a certain extent tangible, but it's also something that's totally un, ununderstandable. What's the word I'm looking for? It's totally something that we can't incomprehensible. fathom. Incomprehensible. Thank you. It's something that's totally incomprehensible. It's something we can't fathom. So that for me is religion. That for me is spirituality. This idea that there is we have all the tools of the world at our disposal right now. We don't understand them all. We won't understand them all, but we could understand them and someone or something could understand it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of people, maybe that idea is God and maybe that is what their faith and religion are, which is why the last thing I would ever want to do is disrespect anyone's faith or belief system. Um, I just think that I've decided to, call that thing uh that 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 thing is my sort of spirituality yeah. that um that idea that the world can be understood but we won't necessarily understand it it's an unsolved mystery yeah but we're comfortable with like the, the show i used to watch in the 90s mm-hmm. with my mom unsolved oh, mysteries what that's your religion show. right that's there. my religion <laughs> do you know the song Absolutely. let the mystery be from uh, iris dement oh yes no 
Pull it up on your uh, on your Spotify or Apple Music. The second okay. sing it for us, Dave. About this very Give us thing. a verse. So Pardon me. <laughs> sing it for us. I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> it's uh, also the theme song uh, from The Leftovers. Oh. Is, that show was my religion. Okay. See, I watched the first two or three episodes of that show, and it I was not getting into it. And I love Damon Lindelof. I love Lost. Oh my God, Watchmen is the best thing I think I've ever seen. Ever. Um, And speaking of like, uh, you know, mainstream television, especially for a black person, that show, uh, the things, have you seen it? I'm like halfway through, but I'm a big Have you seen it, Dave? Not at all, no. Oh my God. The the second you get home, I'll I'll look up the song that you just told me to look up if you start watching Watchmen. Can we agree on that? It's a, it's a, it's a deal. So I don't remember the name of the song, but I will try to remember what it is. Let the mystery be. Let let the mystery be. Let the mystery be. Okay. Um, you asked me what I was watching. I mean, Watchmen is something that I I think everyone in the world needs to watch. I mean, it deals with the the uh, the nineteen twenty one massacre in Oklahoma that no one talks about. That history has sort of for, I don't want to say forgotten, but you know we it, you know it was a it was a massacre of a black town, it was Black Wall Street, the successful black community that was destroyed because white people didn't like it, basically, and. Um, you know, to have that be your launching point for a show about like sort of latter day superheroes yeah. or faux superheroes, oh, it's just brilliant. And like, and then the way it weaves uh, black uh, legacy, uh, black history into the show, the way it, the origin story of the have you gotten to that episode, the origin story of um, Hooded Justice? No, I won't ruin anything, but the way it weaves in. Um, the history of the KKK, the history of racism in this country, it uses uh, all of that to establish a black superhero that is, as a black person who has often felt overlooked and underseen, it was such a powerful moment of like, oh, I'm seen right now. And, and you know, there's elements of queerness, there's elements of, you know, black women with Regina King are given such a great uh, platform to show um a multitude of ideas and and different ways than what we've just always seen with regard to black people. Uh, it's just, uh, it's the most amazing show I think I've ever seen. I don't know how we got on that. And I apologize. So for getting good. On that oh, the leftovers, right Damon, Damon. Oh yes. Lindelof. Yes. Right, yes. Right. So that's what I was saying. Yeah. I, I, there was, I, I watched like the first episode or something and, or two episodes. And there was a scene where they like, stoned a woman to death who was smoking yeah, or yeah, something. And yeah, like, I was just happened. like, I don't know if I'm into this. I don't know if I'm feeling this, but then yeah. everyone told me that's like, Oh, you got to stick with it. Especially the next couple of seasons. Yeah. It's so good. It, it so. gets pretty profound. And I mean, and Dowd and Carrie Coon and everybody, it's, this cast is just so amazing. incredible, but yeah, it's not a, fun ride no it's but like you know, everything I, that i was fearing about the inheritance is <laughs> that's all exactly what you would experience watching you know and i would say it's yeah it's everything you think it's good with regard to the inheritance it's everything you think like the leftovers is going to be but it's like so not it's so fun and light in in many regards and then it's really heavy and intense in other regards but, i can't wait but i have to check out the leftovers i will definitely give that another shot because i've heard really good things we've all got homework Yes, we do. Coming away. Yes, we and we, we're, we're going to discuss it on the dance floor at Oil Can. Yes, Here we are. Yes. In our cafe. Uh, while line dancing. 
Um, Jordan, thank you so, so much for doing this. Thank you. Yes. What a joy. Thank you so much to Nigel Campbell, who connected us with you. Thanks, Nigel. Miss Thanks, you. Shugs. I love you. And you have to come and be on the show soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'll see you on stage Sunday. All right. I'll see you then. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to everybody here at Earwolf. Thank you to Ryan Connor. Thank you to Chelsea in the booth today. Thank you to Kimmy Lucas and to Hannah Crichton. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Uh, Thank you, listener. Uh, We sure would love it if you would rate and review us. Uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps us get the word out to Five stars listeners. only, please. Five stars only, please. And go to podswag.com and you can get your homophilia swag. You can get swag for all of your other favorite shows mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, take a picture of yourself in a cute homophilia t-shirt and tag us. Yeah, do it. 